following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. And we've heard about Pastor Colin. You know, I don't know what they give him in the hospital, but he, the guy is so up. It's amazing. Uh, his, I spoke, I spoke to him this morning around seven o'clock, and he's like, "Fred, this is fantastic," and I'm like, "Colin, I was in the hospital a couple of weeks ago. Hospitals aren't fantastic," and he's like, "No, this is so great. I'm, I'm, he, I, you know, I could stay here forever. This is great," and I'm like. No, <laughs> you need to come home. <laughs> but, you know, he is so upbeat, and he's, as Rob was saying, he's been using it as a, a mission uh, tool to, uh, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the, with the nurses and the doctors and staff. It's, he's just doing a fantastic job. So uh, we need to pray for him. Uh, keep him in your prayers. Uh, also, uh, Sheba. Uh, and then we have Richard and Gina and... Uh, Lori and Matt and a bunch of folks. I, I don't have all the names of people that are homesick, uh, COVID and flus and stuff like that. Um, if you're a first-time visitor here at the church, in your in your uh, seat backs, there's a thing called a QRTY card or something like that. Ask Carmela how to do this because she's really good at this stuff. <laughs> and if you're old school like me, there's like paper that you can fill out stuff and just put it in the, uh, in the, in the offering box. Hey, listen, we're not going to hit you up. We're not going to be calling you. We're not going to put you on a mailing list. It's just if you have a prayer request or a need, let us know so we can pray with you. And it's also a way that we can record who is here with us today. Um, well, it's the beginning of 2023, and I don't know about you, but I never thought I'd see this day, you know. <laughs> but and there's going to be many messages preached around the world today about uh, resolutions for the new year, and uh, I believe there's one resolution that we must take to heart today. You know, uh, and as John said, we can't shine this year if we cease dwelling in the Lord. Dwell and shine. That's what we need to do. So I, my prayer is that we increase our time with the Lord. I think if we, if you did it right, we should be up to an hour now, and an hour five minutes goes by really quick. If you're already at the hour, what's five more minutes? So just uh, continue to do that. Well, before we jump into the message this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just come to you this morning, and we, we, we're so thankful to be here. We're thankful that we can come as a community of believers and to worship and praise you and hear your word. And Father Lord, we just thank you for every blessing that you've given us in the past, and we look forward to the blessings of the future. And Lord, we know that if we abide in you, you will be with us, and nothing is impossible without you. So this morning, Father, I just, uh, I just lift us up as a body. Ask the Holy Spirit come into this place this morning, clear our minds of all the, the, the mundane things we're worrying about right now, and just key in on what you want us to hear this morning. And we pray this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, the pastor called me Thursday, said, oh, by the way, I'm in the hospital. So you think you can preach Sunday? And I said, sure. What do you want me to preach on? Repentance. Oh. You know, that's not probably one of the more popular messages to hear. So before we start, I'm preaching to myself, not just you. And if you get offended by anything I say this morning, take it up with the Holy Spirit, because He gave me the message. Okay? So don't come up to me afterwards and say, Fred just stepped on my toes. No. Go talk to the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's my qualifier for all this this morning. Okay? So if we would, if you have your copy of God's Word this morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 12. So if you'd take time to to get to that, that would be great. And it would be up on the screen. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to this baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree therefore does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So let's summarize where we are right now. John's out in the wilderness, and he's preaching a message of repentance. And people from all all around are seeking out this strange prophet who's dressed in a camel hair coat, and a leather belt living off of locusts and honey. I've had fried grasshopper in Japan. I don't think I could make that a daily subsistence item. It's just, it's not like, not like that big T-bone steak, you know? And he's kind of dressed in kind of clothes that normally people wouldn't be wearing. And I, I think pretty much that John would have been a sight to behold. And, and I, I was wondering, why were people coming to see him? You know, was it his message? Maybe it was his dress or his diet? Was it maybe that they knew he was just beginning the beginning of something great? That he was kind of like the opening act, so to speak? Well, 
whatever the reason that people came from everywhere, this is what they came to be done. They came to be baptized by him. Have you ever thought of the significance of his chosen place to baptize people? He was at the Jordan River, right? It was the same river that when the priest stepped uh, in with the Ark of the Covenant, the waters dried up until everybody had crossed to the other side. It's the same river where the leaders from every tribe took a stone and made an altar signifying what God had done uh, so throughout the years that they and their children would remember. You know, John was popular, and people came to hear what he had to say. And here, read his digest version for this whole message this morning. Here's what his was loud and clear. Turn from your sins, repent. Another way of saying it is, renew your covenant with God. And I think the Jordan River was a great place to baptize those who wanted to turn away from their ways and move forward into God's way. You know, John was the one that Isaiah was talking about when he said, He is the voice shouting in the wilderness, preparing the way. The Lord is coming. You know, he might not have been dressed up like a, a Pharisee or the Sadducees or a businessman of the time, but people understood what he was saying. He didn't look the part, but they understood. And and they knew that what he he was keeping it, in today's vernacular, keeping it real. And he wasn't just talking like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. As a matter of fact, what did he do? He called them out. You snakes, you vipers. Who told you to come? Who warned you of God's coming wrath? He was also saying, don't just wash in this water and think that's it. We have to see a change in your ways. So he would also go on to say, let's see if you can bear some real fruit here. Some good fruit, because if you don't, God is ready to chop you down. God is sharpening his axe. And he's getting ready to chop down those who are unproductive trees. And John said, repent. You know, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary for Repentance, it's not good. It says, the action or process of repenting, especially from misdeeds or moral shortcomings. I don't buy it. Repentance is turning. It's changing your course. There's the element of confession, repentance, sincerity. And John was telling the folks at the time, get ready. Jesus is going to baptize you, but not just with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And repent. That's the message John had. Stop what you're doing, turn around, and do what's right. It's kind of hard, isn't it? We get comfortable doing things because they're comfortable. Now, some of the people might have had doubts about who he was, wondering if he was the Christ or was he maybe Elijah. But he denied 
being either one of those. And even though they may have wondered who he was, they had no doubt about his message. And it's pretty loud and clear, and I keep repeating it, repent, Jesus is coming. Now, few preachers, in my opinion, talk about sin and repentance very much today. And, And I think they worry too much about being politically correct or hurting someone's feelings. You know, but the fact is, sometimes we need to be called out. You know, we need to realize that we aren't perfect and that we make mistakes and we can do better. The fact is, we need to examine ourselves daily because Jesus is coming and we need to be ready. You know, it's not enough just to say, well, I, I repented the other day, so I'm good for a week. No, if you're like me, during the course of the day, yeah, I have to repent to Cindy all the time because it seems like every time I say something that's wrong, I say not quite right, but that's different. But but you know, the sad truth is that the absence of guilt in today's society makes it hard to talk about repentance. You know, we live in this, it's called the relativism, where my feelings, they're mine. You can't possibly understand how I feel. But my feelings, they feel good to me. So don't tell me that I'm doing anything wrong. Don't, don't point out the fact that if you're a Bible-believing Christian and you're doing stuff that's like the Ten Commandments is like a pretty good list of things there. If you're doing stuff that's violating those, maybe someone should say, check this out. And if people have no feelings of guilt or remorse about what they do, then the need for repentance they're not going to be able to recognize it. If, they, if you don't feel the guilt, if you just figure, well, if it feels good, do it, right? Some may think that the word repentance is a word that belonged to centuries in the past. And some people actually see repentance as something we should do only if we get caught. You know? It's pretty easy to repent when you get caught and your hand in the cookie jar. You know, <laughs> repentance is, is, is more than simply blurting out, I'm sorry, if you get a notice from the IRS saying they caught you cheating on your, your income tax. You know, and, and it kind of reminds me of the, a hunting story. I used to love hunting in the panhandle. And this hunter sees a bear, a bear, and he, he shoots at it. And the hunter misses, and suddenly he slips and falls down this little hill he was on, and his leg is now caught in a bear trap. And the bear is coming right towards him. And the hunter's just apoplectic, and he says, Lord, I know I've done some bad things in my life, but I promise to repent if you make this bear Christian. The bear skids to a halt, drops to his knees, claps his paws together, and says, Oh, Lord, I thank you for the food I'm about to receive. You know, repentance is more than just turning over a new leaf. Repentance is also 
far more than simply reciting a congregational prayer. Repentance is not about just changing our minds or feeling sorry for something that we've done or even making bold resolves that we'll never participate in this type of stuff again. Repentance means to turn around and go in another direction. And that's tough. I like to use the uh, example of uh, ships. Ships. I was on a ship that was like a thousand foot long. It's a helicopter carrier. And to make a turn to come back 180, it takes a while to get there. It just, the turn isn't instantaneous. You got to keep turning and turning and turning. It's a, it's a work in progress. Because you know what? The devil will throw all kinds of things in our way that make us say, it's kind of hard. I really like doing that stuff. No one really knows. Who am I hurting? You know? Um, the devil will find ways far more powerful than we are. And that's why we need to go to the Holy Spirit and ask for the Holy Spirit's assistance. Because we can't fight these battles. But here's what John the Baptist wanted his audience to hear. He said, stop what you're doing. Turn your life towards this one called the Messiah. So he's asking this basic question. Who needs repentance? Now, certainly sinners need to repent, especially those who are lost. And verse 8 says, People went out for him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole regions of the Jordan, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. You know, Sinners make the evening news. They're the ones who rob and steal and rape and assault and abuse other people. They're the ones who peddle dogs and uh, drugs and take advantage of our teens and children. And folks, we need to quit trying to make excuses for these people and call it what it is. People do terrible things and it's because there is sin in their lives. Sin breaks the heart of God and destroys the lives of people we love. Now, got to hold on for a minute. And I, and I don't mean to offend anyone here but this morning, as I said, but, but I have to state that sinners make the news. But would you agree with me, sinners also fill the pews? You know, the unfaithful, the liars, the cheaters, those addicted to alcohol, gambling, drugs. If you're lying, cheating, stealing, you're doing something that is sinful, it's time to stop making excuses and turn your face to our Savior. That's it. Your life and the lives of others depend upon it. Sometimes the cold, hard truth is that we just need to repent and get into a right relationship with God. My dad was kind of a hard man to, to get to know. But I knew when I wasn't ple- he wasn't pleased with me if a little Freddie did something wrong, because he became very distant. 
And it wasn't until if it, the only way I could get him to come back close is admit, hey, Dad, I did do this. And I'm sorry. It's what God wants to hear from us. It's our sincerity that we're sorry, that we recognize that it's putting distance between Him and us. You know what? Even the righteous need to repent. He saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming down, and these guys were the the, the leaders and the uh, and the uh, the uh, the liturgical leaders. And he, he he says to them, but when he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to baptism, he said to them, "You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come?" Now I don't think John. I don't think he was a, a sissy or a coward. He called it the way it was. You know, he, here he is. He's in the river. He's eating locusts and honey for food. He's wearing a camel hair jack, tunic and a belt. And he's calling out the leaders of society. If someone came up to me and said, Fred, you are a viper. I might take offense to that. Maybe a little bit. You know, because vipers were na- known for being very stealthy, but they were very deadly also. So he, he's calling them out. And even the ones that think they're the most religious, they're the ones that need repentance also. And I would submit there's times that each and every one of us need to repent also. You know, we all miss the mark at times. Wow. I didn't do anything. <laughs> we all miss the mark sometimes, and, and we need repentance to restore that right relationship with our Savior. So, repentance. How does it all work? Well, first step's kind of difficult. You have to get real honest with yourself. Anybody ever tried to do that? I did. Pretty difficult. Especially when you start thinking about all the people that you've hurt along the way. It's tough. Because, to be honest, I'm pretty good to lie to myself, too. I'm six foot two and have jet black hair. Don't believe me? That's, that's how I see myself. That's how I. What's the phrase now? That's how I identify? I'm six foot two and jet black hair? Yeah. <laughs> but am I keeping it real? No. When you start feeling guilt or remorse about something that you've done, or something that's going on wrong in your life, that's when you've got to be honest about it. That's when it, That's where the rubber meets the road. And if we have issues that are affecting our relationship with Christ, folks, quit making... I'm not doing this. Quit making excuses. You see, it's your fault. It's my fault. It's not someone else's. Cindy can't make me do a flippant thing, though she might think she can. But I have to make that decision on my own, don't I? 
can't blame. Well, I, I wasn't able to go because Cindy wouldn't let me. Hmm. I chose not to go. I have to take responsibilities for my actions and not blame them on someone else. And King David, he had this, what I call a keeping it real moment in, a, in Psalm 51, verses 1 to 3. It says, And when he did, King David cried out to the Lord, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquities, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. You know, sometimes we have what's called secret sins. Because we're good at hiding them from people. And sometimes we're even good at hiding them from ourselves. So the question is, are you, are you ready to be honest? Are you ready to come out of denial? Are you ready to start keeping it real? Well, if you say yes to those things right there, then you're ready for repentance. After all, you know, we, we feel all this guilt or remorse being lifted away from us after repentance. And when that happens, we begin renewal. And isn't that awesome? Renewal. I love the spring. Because you see, especially up in the northern parts of the country, the trees get kind of gray and they look not too appealing. But then spring comes and they start getting green buds and the leaves start. And there's a renewal process. And it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. So we need to start to renew our relationship with our Savior. We start renewing those with relationships with our friends and family, and we begin anew with those who we love. You know, we talk, when we do the Lord's Supper, where it says that if you, if you have a problem with your neighbor, you should address it with your neighbor. It's sometimes the toughest thing to do. Because I'm going to use Alex's example. Alex, I think Alex has done something wrong to me, and I get mad at Alex. Alex might not even know he did anything wrong to me. And he might not have done anything at all. It's my perception of what he said or did. Well, what's the easiest way to solve a problem? You address the problem. I got a problem with you. I need to talk to you about it. You know what happens though? We always expect to have an apology back to us. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, well, I'm sorry too. And oh, I'm so, I will never do. I, I I won't either. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes I. You, we, we're the problem. But we expect, well, if I'm going to make up and confess and repent, I want them to love on me too and tell me, it's okay, I kind of caused it too. Because it's a lot easier to share the guilt. So how can we stay ready? How do we avoid falling back into the same old routine? 
I would say, replacement. When we get rid of sin, we have to put on Christ. We have to replace those bad habits with good habits. I was sharing uh, this morning, and get ready, uh, I was reading a study on, um, I forget where, I think it was Barna, probably Barna. Anyway, there's a large perception of males from 18 to 45 who have a big problem with pornography. And you know, you can turn on Netflix or any of those things and basically watch softcore pornography in, in, in your living room. Well, if it's such a problem... And Barna goes on to explain, he says, and normally what happens is these guys, after they watch pornography for a little while, uh, then they they have this guilt, this crazy guilt. Because if they're married, they they see it as they've cheated on their wife or their girlfriend or whatever. And so they had this guilt. Hmm. I got a solution. Instead of watching that... TV show or movie, how about going to God's Word? How about reading there? You know? It's the Bible's not just here for us to when we when we're in trouble, we've got to go to Scripture. No, we should be reading it and taking it to heart in everything we do. Everything we do. And we can replace our bad behaviors with good behavior. And is that easy? Jerry, uh, overcomers, you've been doing it 10 years now? Have you seen lives changed? Miracles changed. And what's the basic thing we have to say? I admit that I am powerless over blank, blank, blank. Wow. There's a lot of people that can't do that, though, correct? We have to humble ourselves before God. We have to humble ourselves before others because one of the steps is make amends with those that we've hurt through thought, word, or deed. Oh, it's pretty much, you got to do this or else it's not real. It's just lip service. And you know what? That was one of the hardest steps for me was to make amends. Because there were people I was making amends to. I I got to the point that I was just saying, hey, if I ever did anything or said anything or whatever, I am sorry because I don't remember doing it. But I'm asking you for my forgiveness. And if you want to remind me what I did... That's okay, but you don't have to. <laughs> but we have to replace these things. We have to put off our old self and put on a new one. We have to turn away from the destructive to the constructive. You know, bad habits, bad behavior. I don't think has ever strengthened any relationship that you could possibly have. 
doesn't work that way. It becomes destructive. You know, Jesus told a story in Matthew uh, chapter 12, verses uh, 43 to 45, where he talks about replacing the old self with something new. And he said, then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, I find the house empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings things with seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and they dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will be with this evil generation. So let me put that in a little bit of context, uh, contrast here. Or concept. What's the word? Concept. Jesus had just cast out a demon. And the demon has to find a new home. So while it was wandering around, the demon comes upon an old residence that had been already cleaned up, but it was empty. So it goes in there, and what's the devil do? What the demon do? He takes seven of his friends, more wicked than him, and they take up residence in the man, and he's now worse off than before he, when he started. You see, it's more than just cleaning house. You've got to fill it with something better. What's better than a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is your relationship with Christ real? That's a tough question to ask. You know, we give invitations and we invite people to accept the Lord. And I sometimes question afterwards do they really know Jesus? Are they going to foster their relationship with the Lord? Now, that's where I believe the Holy Spirit's job. You know, my, my job is I arrange the meeting, let the Holy Spirit do His job, and pray that I can be influential in some way, shape, or form in that person's life. But, you know, we have to... <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm addicted to pornography, so I'm going to give that up, but I'm going to start playing the lottery. And I'm going to spend all our grocery money at the lottery. Have I replaced it with something good? I've replaced it with something not so good. I've, I've taken bad to even worse. You know, and, and that's we, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if not, the truth will be told this, that you will most likely fall back into the same old ways with little... I think you'll have more bad added to it. I am absolutely terrified of going back to drinking. Terrified. Terrified. Because I know it don't get better. I know, I know my baseline. So it scares, scares me to know that if I do that, this, this, it's not going to get good. <laughs> it's going to get worse. And we have to be able to have those aha moments with ourselves. Whatever it is that's our bad habit, we need to be able to say, okay, I'm going to fill this with something profitable. I'm going to do this. Something that's going to bring glory to God. It's not glory to Fred. It's not glory for me. It's glory to God. So... We're keeping it real. 
I've repented. I've replaced. So what's next? Sometimes along with our repentance, we have to make restitution in order for us to reach our full potential in Christ. We need to look at what we've done or left undone that's causing pain and hurt to someone else. You see, in our sinful state, we may hurt somebody deeply and left scars in their lives. We may have left them wounded and bleeding, if you will. In order for us to have a great abundance of joy, we need to reconcile with these people. We may have to say, I'm sorry, God forbid. Or maybe it's a debt where we just need to fulfill a promise. Whatever it is, in order to reach our full potential in Christ, we must reach out to those we've hurt and, and make restitution in order to be reconciled with them. Making amends. Saying we're sorry. You know, and we were talking earlier, it's, it's difficult for me to admit to another human being I've done wrong. But because I don't know how that's going to be accepted. I don't know if my apology is going to be accepted because not every one of them are. You know, people are people. But isn't it great to know that we can go to the creator of the universe and say, I'm sorry, I need your help changing the way things are for me. And the creator of the universe says, I forgive you as far as the east is from the west. I'm not going to throw that back up in your face again. There's absolute grace and absolute mercy that's shown. And that is fantastic. Rob, if you and Steve would come up and get ready. I, I remembered a prayer of invitation I had written down one time that I heard a, at a pastor's conference. And I thought it was applicable today. It says, You that do truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and, with chari- and charity with all your neighbors and intend to live lead a new life according and following the commandments of God. Draw near with faith and make your humble confession to Almighty God. It's pretty simple. John was at the Jordan River a little over 2,000 years ago and he was telling people, repent. Jesus is coming. And the message is really no different than today. It probably has more of an immediate need than we thought. I was looking at something yesterday when I was doing some sermon prep. And Billy Graham, I'm sorry, Billy Graham preached a sermon back in 2008. And if you read that sermon, it's as applicable today as it was in 2008. They were talking about divisive nations and all this other stuff that Graham was good at talking and writing about. Nothing is new under the sun. We need a Savior. And the immediate need is, we don't know 
when the time's coming. It could be like this. Like that. So we need to repent because the time is near. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.